You say a one for the trouble, two for the time. Uh, come on, y'all, let's... Now it's time for the morning coffee with my daddy, the motivator, Jazzy G, on Power Me Up Radio, talk 24-7. Good morning, good morning, my soul motivators. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Morning Coffee with yours truly, the motivator, Jazzy G. Here on Power Me Up Radio Talk 24-7, the station with heart on iHeart. Yes, indeed, yes, indeed. Today is Terrific Tuesday. That's right, soul motivators. Today is Terrific Tuesday. It's time to get up, get out, and do what you got to do to make it happen for yourself today. That's right. Let's do what we got to do, soul motivators, here on this Terrific Tuesday. Now, I want to talk to you today on this Terrific Tuesday about something that I came across. I came across this excerpt. I'm going to play it for you a little later. But I, I've been noticing, and, and, you know, as a life coach and coaching a lot of people, um, so many times, plenty of times, most of the times, more times than other times, we don't face our fears. We run, we duck, we hide, we make excuses, whatever it is, we don't face our fears and to overcome. And beloved, I'm gonna play something that's gonna give you some some inspiration today, but not just to inspire you, but there's gonna be some tools in there. So if you can write it down, write it down. But our fear and and as always when fear overcomes us it overwhelms us and fear always brings company fear brings company it brings doubt it brings despair it brings it brings it brings a whole lot of company all right and y'all know the saying that that uh it brings misery also the saying that misery loves company okay now y'all heard that time and time again misery loves company See, that's not true. Misery misery doesn't love company. Misery loves your company. Misery loves your company. And you know how misery knows that? Because you like to welcome misery in. When things go wrong in your life, you welcome misery in. And then you want a whole bunch of other people to join you and, and have a misery uh, a misery party, uh, as as my my wife would say, a pity party. She used to always say that she said, a pity party. Y'all heard us? She said it on, on on last week, and uh, that's what we do. And we want that sympathy. We want that, you know, we want people to feel sorry for us because that because we're feeling sorry for ourselves. So we want others to feel sorry for us too. You know what I'm saying? And we think that's gonna boost our self esteem. We truly believe that when we have people that feel sorry for us in our predicament that that's going to boost our self-esteem. That's the most nonsense (laughs) way of thinking, (laughs) beloved. That doesn't work. What happens is is that you just start making a campfire of misery. (laughs) And then y'all just invite doubt and despair and and 
disillusion and disagreement and all the all the other deeds that you know what I'm saying? What you have to do to face your fears is to overcome it. Now, there are two ways of facing your fears and overcoming your fears. There's two. There's two ways of doing it. One, one, we speak about it all the time, but we don't use it. Okay? We pretend to use it because we know of it and we know that it works. And that is faith. Faith overcomes fear strictly and automatically, without a doubt. See, we know that. But see, again, doubt is another company of fear. <laughs> so we let that they we let that doubt come in. But faith and fear does not be in the room at the same time. Now, someone tried to dispute that with me one time and said that they believe that faith and fear can be in the same room at the same time. No, it can't. Not at all. Not at all. You never had faith and fear at the same time. No, you didn't. You think you did. What you had was probably called religion. And I know I'm, I'm rustling some feathers right now. I know I am. But I want to. And some of you might say, well, I'm not religious. You know, I believe in God and all that. I'm not religious, so you can't say that. But I'm telling you, it's that religion that you grew up with. Okay? When I say that, it's what you know. It's what you're familiar with. I don't mean no, but what you was familiar with. And that's religion. Because we grew up with religion. Most of us. Right? So that's why you think those who, doubt, those who dispute that faith and fear can be in the room at the same time, that you had faith and fear at the same time. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. Faith and fear do not. Faith do not want to be around fear at all. It does not. If fear is in the room, faith would not enter. And that's a fact. I'm not pulling that out of my behind, beloved. That is a fact. Fact. It's in your Bible. It's in your Quran. It's in your Torah. It's a fact. Look it up. Look it up. Faith and fear cannot coincide with each other. They do not mingle. They do not compromise. Faith does not compromise. It does not give you any compromise. Any. It does not compromise with fear at all. So to overcome fear is faith. Jesus asked for just have enough, as little as a mustard seed. A little as a mustard seed. And he got you from there. Now that's scripture. I'm just saying. I'm not preaching right now. I'm just saying. It's in the scripture. Look it up. That's what he said, right? As little as a mustard seed. That's all he asked for. And he got you from there. So if you don't have that much faith, okay, that means most likely you have no faith. So if all you need is a little bit of faith to have the backing of Jesus, that must mean you have none. And that must, that must also mean faith and fear can't coincide. They can't be in the room at the same time. No, they can't. Okay, now here's another thing. Now I'm going to tell you the other thing how you overcome fear. There are two types of fear. There is what is called initial fear and then there's 
greater fear. Now, let me break those down to you. And I think I have before, beloveds, but those who never heard this before, because I broke this down before in season one of The Morning Coffee. Now, initial fear is known as phobias. We call that phobia. You know, when you're afraid of spiders, you're afraid of the water, you're afraid of the dark, you're afraid of public speaking, you're afraid of fire, you're afraid of, you know, you're afraid of dogs, you're afraid of cats, whatever. Those are phobias, okay? When you're afraid of something particularly, right, that's called initial fear. Now, we all have some type of phobia. All of us. We do. Okay? So now, now, um, now, <laughs> the funny thing is, you know, the number one, number two phobias in, in, in the world, number one and number two is the craziest thing. Number one phobia in the world is, is the fear of public speaking. That's the number one phobia, the fear of public speaking. Yeah, seriously. That's the number one phobia. Do you know what the number two phobia is? Do you know what number two is? Number two is the fear of death. You know that? Fear of dying is number two to fear of public speaking. <laughs> you know what that means, beloved? That means most of the world rather be the eulogy than give the eulogy. <laughs> That's crazy. That's crazy, beloved. But when I found that study out, I was like, wow, that's crazy. <laughs> but it's true. <laughs> okay, so initial fear is a phobia, right? Afraid of something. All right. Now, the other fear is greater fear. Now, that's the fear where you can accomplish things in that fear. You can actually accomplish things in that fear. So when you think that faith and fear is in the room at the same time, no, it's not. Let me break it down to you how that works. So the person that was disputing that faith and fear is in the, in, the, in the room at the same time, let me break it down to you. What happens is your initial fear, which is your phobia, say you're afraid, you know, you're afraid of swimming, okay? You're afraid of the water, okay? I don't know what that's called. Some of them I know the name of, but some I don't. Like I know... Uh, Arachnophobia is afraid of the fear of spiders or something like that. I don't know the name of fear of water. I can't remember. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to make something up like Aquafina or something. Because <laughs> that's a water. <laughs> but uh, so say you, you have a fear of water. And say your loved one is drowning. And you don't know how to swim. You do not know how to swim. Because you have a fear of water. So you never learned how to swim. But your loved one is drowning, like say your child or something like that, or your, your spouse or someone is drowning, or your, your sibling. And you jump in that water to save them, and you pull them out of the water. You don't know how you did it, you did it. You know what I'm saying? Power of God, whatever, you did it. Okay, that's the greater fear. You did it because the fear of watching your loved one drown was a greater fear than being afraid of the water. So whatever your initial fear was, which is the fear of water, you overcame the fear of water, jumped in the water, did what you had to do to get that person out of there so they won't drown and you won't to bring that person to safety. 
That is the greater fear. And you can accomplish with the greater fear. That's why you may think faith and fear is in the room at the same time. No. What it is is your phobia and the greater fear is in the room at the same time. Fear would not be faith would not be in that room. Okay? Now because you said, well, wouldn't it be faith that you jumped in that water? And and it would, wouldn't that be faith that had you jump in the water after the power of God and that would be faith? Nope. Not at all. It is what happened is you overpowered the initial fear with the greater fear. So you did. Now, tell me this. Just because you jumped in that water and saved your loved one, now could you swim the English Channel or be a swimmer in the Olympics now? No. No. You may go right back to being afraid of water again. You may go right back to being afraid of it. Or you may just say, hey, hey, I did that. Now, maybe I should take swimming lessons. And become a swimmer. See, there you go. Now faith to kick in. Now faith to kick in. Cause faith to go. Oh, all right. Let's go take some swimming lessons. That's faith. See the difference, beloved. That's the difference. Okay. <laughs> all right. So I'm gonna play this excerpt for you right now, and this is gonna this is gonna be some fun. And uh, I don't know who made it. Uh, I, I can't remember the name of the person, but it is all it's write this stuff down if you you know if it resonates with you. If you're driving, of course you can't do all that stuff. But if you listen to the next, you know when it when it's on the podcast on Apple or Spotify, you listen, take notes, definitely do that. But uh, again, so motivated. Um, I'm going to play this excerpt, excerpt about how to overcome your fears here on Power Me Up Radio Talk 24-7 with, on the morning coffee with yours through the motivator, Jazzy D. It's as if we're all a piece of carbon that can be a priceless diamond, but we all have the value going in. All we have to do is cut and shape it with what? An identity. What identity? Each human is born with five to seven major talents. Do you know what your five to seven are minimum? The ability to hold a scalpel steady is inborn. Tweezer dexterity is inborn. Finger dexterity is inborn. The ability to deal with words is inborn. Colors and shapes and spatial relations are inborn. They need to be brought out of the soil and watched and developed. What are yours? Sure, there are your hobbies. But you can earn money with them as well. And even if you don't, you want to spend more time doing what you love, your identity or your talent, strengths, and a positive label. Competence can make up for all three. If you didn't have a winning family, if you've never felt worthy, and if you don't know what your identity is, you can still become a champion by competence. That's called self-efficacy. When you begin to do something and it gives you a feeling of control over the outcomes of little things, local competence creates global risk. In other words, when you do something locally that's successful, you want to take on more responsibility and risk. And therefore, self-trust is your ability to solve minor problems and then bigger ones. The key to self-esteem is the ability to take your value and pay it forward or pay it out and to be able to accept it when it's paid to you. And many of you have known through the years that all of us who talk about it say that one of the biggest tip-offs on self-esteem is eye contact when you're talking and listening 
without looking down and away, a child who can raise his or her head up and look you in the eye, reach out his or her hand, look you in the eye, and give you their name. Hello, my name is, and mean it, even liking the sound of their own name. When you make a telephone call, you always give your own name first as you're calling. Why? Value, available, to serve, to be remembered. When you're answering the phone, you give your name, even at home. Why? They may not know you're there. <laughs> they may not know it's your home. So you tell them who you are. I know my kids have said, we know, Dad, just checking. Because I give my name, Dennis Waitley. I remember writing my first book, The Psychology of Winning. It wasn't any good, so I left it in the drawer for five years. It wasn't the book wasn't any good, the author wasn't. There's a difference between what you do and who you are, and if you don't feel worthy as an author, you just can't get anything published. And I remember sending, like all authors do, you remember Stephen King, you remember what happened with Carrie, you remember that he sent it out you know, 15 times, you remember how many times it was rejected, you remember when the baby got sick, you remember when they pulled the phone out, remember he was making $50 a week working in a laundry. How would you like to walk into a laundromat and find Stephen King? Hi, come on in. I'll tell you a story while we're going through spin. Uh, he, he could play an instrument. He played a musical instrument, and he wrote. Uh, but his wife just got tired. The baby was sick. They had no phone. So she sent Carrie out one more time. So it became the best-selling book and the best-selling movie of that year. And ever since he's done it, it really takes this kind of persistence and accepting any value and paying it out. So when anyone says anything to you of any value, Please learn the Olympic way of accepting a gold medal. The Olympic way is to put your shoulders back and say, thank you, I appreciate it. If you say, just lucky, I guess, they'll know it was. If they say, great golf shot, and you say, close my eyes and swung, they'll say, right on, duffer. If they bring you a present for your birthday, please don't say, oh, you shouldn't have, you spent too much, they'll think they did. But otherwise you won't get a raise either because you may not be worth it, your humble self. Humility is serving others with grace. Humiliation is where you're constantly knocking the product, believing that if you knock yourself, you'll be a steward. No, you won't. People always listen to the way you explain yourself, the way you talk about your problems, the way you communicate. It's a tip-off. Self-esteem is the ability to pay value forward and accept it graciously when paid to you. And a lot of it has to do with the way you talk. So you can accept it comfortably. You can praise and critique performance without feeling rejected. You can reinforce good behavior and boost it if it's a failure. Being clean and neat is a tip-off. People who hurt themselves don't like themselves. People who help themselves like themselves. Eye contact, communication, and positive self-talk. You've heard it a thousand times, but in a minute I'll give you the Olympic way. I believe that winners believe in their dreams when that's all they have to hang on to. I believe that what gets in the way is fear. And fear is always of catastrophic danger. Fear is of obviously of rejection. Fear is of failure and of change, the unfamiliar. The unknown, the unfamiliar, the rejection. The bottom one is where I've been stuck. Most speakers claim they're raised in a poor family. 
I was. My father was a penniless alcoholic, died of lung cancer and cirrhosis of the liver. He said these things will kill you, and they did. And he smoked because he saw the movie actors and actresses smoke. And during our days, the best seats in the theaters were all smoking. They were called the loges, and they were all leather with ashtrays. And so the smokers would sit in the best seats in the house. They'd buy the cigarettes out in the lobby and be smoking, and we could just barely see the screen, which is why we sat in front. So he drank and smoked himself to death. And as a result, I grew up with the fear of success, doubting myself and feeling guilty when I had success. If you've come from a family that does not have money or success, you might think that you're just a little reckless, believing that you're worth it. But overcome the fear of doubt and the fear of guilt. Guilt is when you get the biggest piece of cake at your own birthday. Guilt is when you do well and other people say, ha, I got lucky. And they think you're selfish because you're successful, but you must be able to step out and forward and handle the guilt and doubt that other people may have. False evidence appearing real, all the speakers use that. Ignorance, what will happen? Prejudice, I can't forget what happened. And premonition, it will happen again. The mind is incredible. It'll happen again, I know it. I can't forget what happened. I'm not going to get married again because of that experience and what will happen in the future. I've just written a book, Safari to the Soul, How to Overcome Fear in the Savage Paradise Called Life. I think life is a savage paradise. I think it's a paradise to people who know how to work with it, and it's a savage place for those who don't. And the most important thing to understand is that life is a jungle, and a jungle is neutral. Life is a backdrop, and you and I are the players. The question is, do you want to be an unfamiliar tourist in the jungle, or do you want to be a guide? If you're a guide, you understand. You understand that there's breadfruit, bananas, mangoes, papayas, and clean water and places to hide. If you're a tourist, there are black mambas, yellow mambas, scorpions, lions, tigers, and there's malaria and yellow fever. There's all the dangers if you're inexperienced. If you're experienced, you see the potential. If you're inexperienced, you see the danger. Knowledge, training, skills, and experience overcome fear. You get role models, coaches, and mentors. They help you learn the correct swing. And then you gain courage and confidence with knowledge and training. The best way to overcome fear is knowledge and action, and that's why you're here. You're here to eliminate the fear of the unknown, the fear of rejection, the fear of change, and the fear of success. Self-esteem, I'd like to give it to every child in the world, a deep down inside the skin feeling of your own worth, regardless of your age, your looks, your ethnicity, your gender, or your background. Given my parents and my background, I'm glad I'm me. I'd rather be me living at this time than any other time in history. I'm not the best looking in the group, I look my best in a group. Self-esteem is believing that you have enough potential become a world-class person and all you need to do is find somebody else who believes enough in you to help coach you through it and mentor you through it regardless of current performance that's the problem isn't it but I'm not earning I haven't done anything how can I feel good if I haven't done it yet well that's just it it's potential not performance and you'll understand if there were four legs to the chair or four cornerstones, the four legs would certainly become affiliation and belonging. 
A gang is when you belong even if it's wrong, but it gives you power. If you don't belong at home, you belong to a gang. Everyone wants to belong to a winning team. One of the reasons that motherly love is the greatest, it's the affiliation between mother and child that creates the optimism of self-esteem. The father is very important because without a father, you tend to want to associate with the outside gang and break away. So belonging is a winning family or team. We all want an esprit de corps. We all want to hang around winners. Worthiness is very difficult to get, especially today, because we see athletes and celebrities who do these incredible things and we don't think we measure up. If you have children still, make sure you go into their room just before they go to sleep and create a straitjacket out of their sheets and blankets. Fold them over so they can't move. And they're lying there on their pillow and they can't move their head away from you. All animals out, cell phone off, computer shut down, video games not there, and you've got them. Hi, I've been watching you and you're about the most special human being I've ever met. I'm so glad to be your parent. I love you so much unconditionally. There's no conditions on my love. I love you so much. And having a feeling of worthiness, regardless of what you're doing, is the underpinning of unconditional love and built-in value. The most important opinion you'll ever have is the one you have of yourself. No one looks at a photo of you with such scrutiny. Just look at your own wedding pictures or look at any picture that's been taken of you and you'll look at yourself and say, ooh, don't you have another one? We tend to be so critical of ourselves. Every blemish instead of blessing is what we count. The word TIP is an acronym. Every speaker, you'll hear Brian's acronyms. Jim Rohn has acronyms. We're walking acronyms. Fear, false evidence appearing real. Luck, laboring under correct knowledge. L-U-C-K. Posh, port out, starboard home, cruise ship. Posh accommodations, port side out, starboard home. The word tip, to ensure performance. That's what it means. Wait a minute. If tip is to ensure performance, why do I give it after the meal? Too late. <laughs> Too late then. You're, you're reinforcing something that we're, we're giving 17 to 15 to 17%, even if it wasn't good service, they expect the tip. Two kinds of tips. Reinforce good behavior, tremendous feeling of recognition. But the best tips are given before anyone does anything because it raises the level of expectation in your children, your associates, and in you. Would you want a tip on a good stock? You bet you would. But why would you bet on them? They haven't done anything yet. How about they have good management? What does that mean? It means they're, they're going to perform. Yeah, but you want me to bet on them before they perform? Yeah, you invest in them and then it goes up. If you wait until after, it's too late. The people are already selling when you're buying. A tip is an expected level of achievement which you want to give to yourself and other people because only an expected level of success is motivational. And if you expect more from yourself and others, you will perform more to that expectation than anything else. It's the morning coffee with yours truly, the motivator Jazzy G here on Power Me Up Radio Talk 24-7, the station with heart on iHeart here on a terrific Tuesday. Beloved, I know you got a lot out of that. I know you got a lot out of that. And that speaker name is Dennis Whitley, and he's a protege of Les Brown. 
episode that I want you to take that with you today on this terrific Tuesday, beloved. Hold it in your heart. Use the tools <laughs> that you can use. <laughs> All right. So, beloved, I want to end the show today on this terrific Tuesday. And uh, we're going to say our, uh, we're going to take our deep breaths and say our uh, affirmation and our protection prayer. So, uh, let's just, uh, let's breathe in. Hold it, hold it, hold it. Release. Extend it, extend it, extend it. Breathe in. Hold it, hold it, hold it. Release. Extend it, extend it, extend it. One more time, beloveds. Breathe in. Hold it, hold it, hold it. Release. Extend it, extend it, extend it. The light of God surrounds us. The love of God enfolds us. The power of God protects us. The presence of God watches over us. Wherever we are, God is, and all is well. That is your protection prayer affirmation for the day, beloved. I wanted you to get all you can get out of this terrific Tuesday today. And uh, as always, we are springing forward. For the rest of the month of April, we are springing forward because we're going to make May flowers be all that it can be for us. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Make it all that we can. it can be. Alright? Remember, beloved, I love each and every one of you. It's not a damn thing you can do about it. You have a blessed, blessed, blessed terrific Tuesday today, man. And uh, take some of those things that you learned today from Dennis Whitley and, and use them. Alright? Those are tools that you can use. Alright? I love y'all. <laughs> 